If you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to be in Jonah, surprise, surprise. Uh, We're walking our way through the book. Uh, I'm excited about this chapter. Uh, I think this is an an exciting chapter that we're in. And uh, so we're going to be in chapter 3. So if you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to Jonah and find your way to chapter 3 this morning. Now we've got, I've got quite a bit that I want to talk about that I want to cover. So I'll do my best to try to get through this in a timely manner, but no promises. And as we're there, we're going to talk about the city in Jonah today. How many of you, I want to see a sign of your hand, how many of you are a little afraid to witness to people? Anybody? None of you? Oh, good. Well, okay. So I'm imagining that there was going to be a lot more of us that are in truth. Some of you just don't want to raise your hand. That's okay. Uh, because I'm here to tell you I'm scared to witness to people. And, and so if you're not scared at all, you know, come talk to me after service. Uh, we're going to go out door-to-door witnessing together, and we'll just see. You can put your money where your mouth is, right? Um, but I, I think all of us, to some degree, are, are nervous when it comes to witnessing people, uh, witnessing to people, for, for that matter. But what if I told you that every time that you witness to somebody, every single time that you witness to somebody about the truth of the gospel, God was going to do a supernatural work. If I told you that, would that be an encouragement for you to do more witnessing? I hope that it would. Now, in Jonah chapter 3, this is what I would, am going to consider the climax of the entire book of Jonah. Now, we've seen some big miracles so far. We've seen a supernatural storm, both created and quelled. Uh, We've seen a man survive in the belly of a fish for three days and then expelled. But today's word contains a miracle that I I believe far outstrips any of those miracles that I just talked about or any that we're going to see in the next chapter as well. But most of the time when people talk about Jonah, they don't talk about this. They talk about that doggone fish. But this is the climax of the book. Now, I want to take just a moment for you and and paint a picture, and I want you to imagine with me a scenario that I hope brings us a little closer to home. Because we're we're physically far away from Nineveh. We're physically far away from uh, Joppa. We're physically far away from all those things. We're we're temporally far away, meaning we're in a different time now than it was for for Jonah. So all these things kind of hard for us. But So uh, I want you to imagine for a moment this. Imagine... For yourself, a hardened criminal. One who is guilty of multiple counts of atrocious crimes against God and fellow man. This criminal is often engaged in godless behavior and even takes pleasure in doing so. Furthermore, this criminal thus far has showed no signs of changing their ways to live in any way other than they are currently living. Lastly, to this picture, I want you to imagine that this criminal is acting as an active enemy to your family. Would you witness to this person? would you have any hope that this person would actually accept the gospel and repent? Now, <coughs> I, hope, I hope that you would. But if not, I hope today's message in Jonah is going to show us <coughs> how we can and why we should. So before we jump into the word of God, let's 
pray. God, our Father in heaven, we ask that you would be with us this morning. Lord, selfishly, I ask specifically that you would be with me, that you would help me not to uh, hack and cough and lose my voice through this message. But putting me aside, Lord, I pray that you would be with all of us. You would help us to listen to and apply this word in Jonah chapter 3. That is, we know that the fish has a big role in this book, but it is not bigger than you. So help us to understand the work that you have done, (coughs) the work that you are still doing. We ask that in your name for your glory. As we agree together, we say, amen. So there's a couple things, uh, there's, there's, if you're a note taker, oh, I printed them off. Did anyone bring them up off the printer? Do you guys have notes? Okay, good. Somebody did that. Thank you. It's probably Gabe. Thank you, Gabe. Nick did it. Somebody, somebody did it. Um, to God be the glory, but thank you, brother, sister, in Christ for doing that. The first thing I want to tell you is this, Jonah's report. Okay, Jonah's report. And firstly, out of his report, we see his mission. This was his mission. If you turn to Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Now, it's important for us to understand that this is the second time that this message came to Jonah. Now, not all of us get second chances, people. And so if you're here today and you're on the brink of your second chance, I would pray that you would take it. Now, more about that in just a minute, but not everybody gets second chances. Jonah did by God's glory, by God's mercy, by God's grace. He got this, and it was a divine command. This is the word of the Lord, right? Something he should listen to. This divine command came twice, and it's the same command to go to Nineveh. Nineveh, this wicked city. Nineveh, this huge city. Nineveh, this great city. Now, it is several days' journey from where he was, wherever he got spit out. You know, people think he got all the way back to Joppa. We don't know. Uh, The fish did not write a report. But wherever he came from, he is to go to this great city, this big city, this wicked city, and to call out, it says, against it, go to Nineveh, this great city, call out against it the message that I tell you. This is a formal message given by an ambassador of the great high king God. And it's the message that he is to tell them, not Jonah's message. Because remember, Jonah didn't even want to go. So Jonah might have a very different message. You know, sometimes we don't want to go, and maybe our message would be very different too. But we are called to give God's message. Jonah is called to give God's message. He's called to call out against that. And so we see the way he does this is his method. Jonah 3, 3 through 4 says, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, uh, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth, meaning that the city was encompassing a three-day journey. So if, if a human being was walking from one end of the city wall, so to speak, to the other end of the city wall, cutting it in half, it would take three journeys to get all the way through it. Does that make sense? That, that's what he's talking about here. So Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. He called out. And that's his method. It's very simple, isn't it? It's very straightforward, isn't it? Uh, it doesn't say anything about gospel tracks. It doesn't say anything about, you know, putting on some kind of a circus event with lights and smoke and mirrors and magic tricks and, you know, any of that stuff. It doesn't say any of those things. It says that Jonah very simply physically went. He was called to go, so he went. Uh, he went according to the word of the Lord, it says. 
And I think that's where Jonah's power lies, isn't it? It's not because Jonah was eloquent, as we're going to see in a minute. It's not necessarily even because Jonah was compassionate, as we're going to see in the next chapter. And so it's not like he did anything special. In fact, one might say that Jonah was potentially the worst preacher of all the Old Testament, truly. But he physically went, and he went according to the word of the Lord. And he went into the center of the city, where most of everything would be happening. And it says he called out. So I want you to consider this picture. Remember we talked about last week about the the scientific proof, if that was necessary for you, that there was actually historically a, a big whale that swallowed this man and he was in the belly for like a day and a half. Remember this, this illustration I told you? And after he came out, it said that his skin was, was dyed like a, a livid whiteness from the gastric juices. You, you remember that, right? And so my guess is, is that Jonah went through some of the same things. And so now you have this ghostly figure who is probably disheveled. I, I would imagine also at this time, After going through what Jonah went through, remember he was in a a terrible sea storm, worse than that in the belly of a fish for three whole days and three whole nights, and then as the text says, vomited back out onto the seashore, one would be tempted to take a bath or a shower before they went, right? But one would be foolish knowing that they just spent three days and three nights in the belly of a fish at God's command for tarrying beforehand. So my guess is fish smell and all, Jonah went directly to Nineveh. And we ought to hope that he did, right? Now, I'm, I'm reading into the text, but let's assume. And so you have this fish-smelling, livid white, uh, disheveled-looking man who's walking with purpose, not turning to the left, not turning to the right, walking straight into the town center, and upon coming into the town center, says his message. And again, his message is pretty straightforward too, right? We see that in verse Four, the rest of verse four, Jonah began to go into the city, a day's journey, and he called out, and here's, his, here's what he says, and it's five words in Hebrew. Forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, that's, it's more in English, because it just, we're fancy. But in the Hebrew, that's only five words. I can't pronounce those words, I'm not going to try to pronounce that words, but that's a short message, isn't it? He did not mince words. He was straight to the point. He was informative. He was untargeted. Now, there's some things we need to see about this message. It doesn't seem to have any room for redemption, does it? It doesn't seem to have any room for anything other than what he said to happen. And you might say, well, Pastor John, wasn't to, to be a prophet in the Old Testament and you were to speak on the name of the Lord, and if that didn't come to pass, weren't you supposed to stone that prophet to death? And I would say, yeah. However, the rest of the story explains why this wasn't the case here. And so everything that Jonah said was exactly what he was supposed to say. Remember what it said? It said that he was to call out and he was to give the message. Remember, it's it's in your text. You can turn. Hopefully you brought a Bible or you got one with you. It says that uh, call out against it the message that I tell you. This was twice now that he was given this message from the Lord. And so it appears to me that Jonah did exactly what he was supposed to do. So even though Jonah's message was not, you know, polished, it wasn't fancy, it wasn't beautiful, it was exactly what he was supposed to say, and as we're going to see, it was exactly what Nineveh needed to hear. And so the next thing we talk about here is Nineveh's repentance. 
That's what the book of Jonah is about. The book of Jonah is not about Jonah. It's not about the sailors in the ship. It's not about a fish. It's about Nineveh's repentance. So the first thing I want you to see is their faith. In Jonah 3, 5 through 6, this is where we see this. Now, in Jonah 3, there's a lot of mirrored images in Jonah 1. We see the faith of the people of Nineveh. In Jonah 1, we saw the faith of the sailors, remember? But in 5 through 6 of this chapter, the people of Nineveh believed God. There it is. Now, in the text, this isn't the L-O-R-D of Yahweh. This is G-O-D, meaning uh, Elohim. Uh, So they don't know specifically, you know, Jehovah Jireh or the Lord of the Israelites. They know this is the God, the big God, Elohim, the the one who's over all those things. And and so uh, Jonah doesn't tell them the personal nature of of God who's going to destroy them, but they understand and they believe God. And it says there that they called for a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Verse 6, the word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself in sackcloth and ashes. You see, we aren't saved without faith. And it doesn't matter how eloquent your message is, if the person you're sharing that message with doesn't receive that in faith, then it's not about your preaching, it's not about your delivery. It doesn't matter how bad your presentation is. If that presentation is received in faith, then salvation can be wrought. And so we see here in this text that this big, great city, city uh, full of sin, remember it was the Sodom and Gomorrah of Jonah's time and all the things that were going there. It says the people of Nineveh believed. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth from the least to the greatest. So it didn't matter prince or pauper, anyone, the king himself removed himself. And that brings us to the next part was their fasting. So did you know that in scripture, uh, Jesus would say things like repent and believe. And so there's a physical action that also must take place with our internal, spirit-driven faith. The two go hand in hand. And what we see here is, is this. So if you take these together, they called for a fast and put on sackcloth. That's in, in your, your Bibles in verses 5. And then in verse 6, he arose from his throne, removed his, his robe, covered himself with sackcloth. So these are the physical actions. And then in verses 7 through 9, that's in front of you, it says that he issued a proclamation. This is, excuse me, this is talking about the, the king. He issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, so everybody was in agreement, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. Let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let them call out mightily to God. Now, that should hearken back to you in chapter 1. So the captain said, uh, what do you mean? call out mightily to our God that we might be saved. This is the same idea here. Let the man and beast, let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, they say. God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. So this is one of those 
excuse the pun, Hail Mary passes, but they're not hailing Mary, they're, they're hailing Yahweh. So this is a Hail Yahweh call out, a last ditch effort. They're going to they're gonna fast and they're going to pray to the best of their knowledge. Praying doesn't always have to be pretty, by the way. Beloved, that's a sermon for a whole nother day. It just has to be from the heart. And so that's what they're doing. They're, they're praying to God for the whole 40 days that it's going to take until they're destroyed. That's my interpretation of scripture. Other people think that they did it for a shorter period of time or whatever. I think it's pretty clear if we just look at it, 40 days. So they're going to pray. They're going to fast for 40 days, it appears to me. And then maybe we're going to see. Think about what that must have been like. I mean, praying and fasting for one day or two days, that's, that's enough, right? Uh, yeah, we just had a sermon about gluttony. Y'all forgot about that sermon during Thanksgiving. That's okay. But it happened. And now they're fasting for 40 days. And with each day, it's probably getting worse and worse. Just like, you know, when you got your dentist appointment and you know you've got a cavity and you know that they're going to drill it. None of us think we mark it on the calendar. None of us, probably none of us, unless there's, if, there's, if, if this is you, then come see me afterwards. None of us are thinking to ourselves, oh, great, I can't wait for them to stab me in the gums and then start to drill and I get that weird smell and then I hope it takes because otherwise there's going to be pain and they get to stab me again. Like, that sounds great, right? And, and, and we're not even talking about what's going to happen to Nineveh. And so for all this time, they're just waiting. They're waiting in hopes that they don't, aren't destroyed by some, I don't know, fiery meteorites or something. And it's all of them. And it's not just them, it's, it's their beasts. And it's not just a small fast, it's, it's don't eat and don't drink. I mean, the reality of this, people may have died during this fast. Also, what you need to see here is, is that they're, they're saying, let everyone turn from his evil ways and from the violence that is in his hands. The king is recognizing this is not just a corporate repentance. This should be an individual repentance. And so actually, this is what repentance looks like. Beloved, if you're here this morning, I, I'm, I'm glad you're here. If you're watching this today or sometime in the future, I'm glad that you're watching this. But being in this room, watching this on the screen, being a member of Algon Bible Church, being born into a Christian family, whatever that means, right? That's not what saves us. That is not what makes God's anger relent. That is not enough. We must have personal repentance. We must have personal faith, personal fasting, if we have any hope of receiving forgiveness. Now this is what they do, and then in verse 10, which is the last verse in this chapter, this is what they see. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented from the disaster 
that he had said that he would do to them, and he did not do it. God's, I'm going to make up a word, problem, I'm pretty sure this is made up. God's relention was directly equal to their repentance. He relented because they repented. That's, that's how I should have said that. Yeah. And that's going to matter a lot in just a little bit. Stay tuned. <laughs> he relented because they repented. In Jeremiah 18, 6 through 8, it says this. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as a potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. So this is absolutely within God's ability to do this. So because of their true repentance, God relents. But I want for you to understand, beloved, that 40 days, 40 years, 40 minutes, eventually man dies. But like I said earlier, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You may not have 40 years. You may not have 40 days. You may not have 40 minutes until you are called to account. But the good news of Jonah is not that stupid fish. The good news of Jonah is Nineveh's repentance. The good news of the whole book of Jonah is that our God, who is a holy, righteous judge, who judges people according to his perfect standard, has still provided a way for us to be allowed into his presence, although we do not deserve it. That's the point of the book of Jonah. Luke 11, for as Jonah became assigned to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. God gave us a sign just like he did to Nineveh, and our sign is way, way better. Which brings me to really, so all of that, all of that was what you call exposition, which is getting us to the application. Are are you guys ready for the application of Jonah 3? This is is what I have. Uh, Maybe you've heard somebody say something else, or maybe you'll come up with something else on your own as you study through Jonah. Hopefully that's what you're doing. I think that what this teaches us is our responsibility. And, and, And this is what I mean by this. This is God's message. What is God's message? Well, if you are not a note taker, I would invite you to grab a set of notes. And if we don't have enough, You can find them online. So you can get on our website. There's notes attached to this sermon. As soon as this is done, you can download this if this is something at all that's helpful to you. Because I asked you at the beginning, how many of you feel a little nervous or scared to witness to people? And if we're honest, all of us from time to time should raise our hands on that, okay? This is his message. For Christ also suffered. This is 1 Peter 3.18. Write this down, memorize this verse. This is a great verse to memorize for your witnessing. His message is, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Do you understand the theology that this verse contains? It contains things like this. Christ, Jesus, Messiah, had to suffer for sin. And he only had to suffer one time. There need not be sacrifice upon sacrifice upon sacrifice. One time. He was righteous. That makes us unrighteous. 
He had to do this on our behalf. He did this on our behalf. That he might bring us to God, and he was put to death, a real death, and that three days later he rose from the dead, made alive in the Spirit, so that he can make us alive in the Spirit too. Now, John Piper, who is much wiser than I, this is how he delivers the gospel, and I'm going to show you that today. There is five steps for a good gospel presentation that you should know so that you, in fear or not, can give a message like Jonah. doesn't have to have smoke and mirrors or all the rest, but you at least better give the whole message. Forty days, and Nineveh is going to be destroyed. That was the whole message for them. The whole message for us today is a little different. And so this is how this works. First, God created us for his glory. We see that all throughout Scripture, primarily in the book of Genesis, of course. We're created in his image to subdue and rule the world as co-rulers with God. We were meant to be in his presence forever, and we were image bearers for his glory. Second, Every human should live for his glory because we're created for that. That is our purpose. Why did God make us? It wasn't because he was lonely. It wasn't because he was bored. It was because God, as God, deserves maximum glory. Now, this is a whole different theology class that I go through. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version, okay? Out of all of the realities that ever were or ever could be, God, in his omniscience, chose the reality that you and I are experiencing. And the reason I know that is because we're experiencing it, okay? But God chose that reality, and that reality maximizes his glory, which he deserves, and is his main goal for everything that he does because he's God. Now, if that bothers you and you feel like, who does this God think he is? Well, he's God, Okay, so he deserves glory, so it doesn't matter if you're okay with this or not. We were created for his glory, so every human should live for his glory. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Matthew 5.16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that you, uh, they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay, uh, now the problem is, and probably you, you know these couple things, surely we know this. We have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Where is that from, Pastor? Well, Romans. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's right there. Romans 1.21-23, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. The Ninevites did, though. And so, as we're thinking about what our message needs to be, remember, this is our responsibility. This is his message, not my message. I was thinking about this the other day because my message would be, hey, if you're good enough, you're in. My message would be, hey, just let your good stuff outweigh your bad stuff and, you're, and, and we're good, right? Because that's something I can control. That's something I can try to monitor. I can make a, a checklist on my calendar and put stickers on. But all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. So number four, uh, we all therefore deserve eternal punishment. We deserve to be separated from that glory because we are not honoring that glory. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. 1 Thessalonians 1.9, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception that we had among you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. 
Matthew 25, 46, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You see, we are all, in our, even in our fallen state, this, this is, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, the depth of our depravity is so dark, if you ask the normal person who, who has not been, had their mind illuminated by the Holy Spirit, right? Because we can only accept this truth by the Spirit of God. So even your faith wasn't an act of your own doing, by the way, just so you know. But that aside, in our depravity, we are so deeply depraved that we actually feel like we deserve to be in the presence of God for all eternity. That's what we call heaven. What we deserve is eternal punishment. And then lastly, in his great mercy... God sent forth his only son, Jesus Christ, to provide for sinners the way of eternal life. So there is something called a Romans road. You can Google that, or I can print off those verses for you if you're interested. We have some good gospel tracts down here. In fact, the one that I usually get and I give out to people is, we are your neighbor, right? Right? I'm sure you've seen it if you've been here long enough. If not, I've got a bunch of copies. I'll be happy to give you some so you can look through it. It's got the Romans wrote in that. There are scriptures that you could memorize to help you be a better preacher than Jonah. And yes, you can be a better preacher than Jonah if you get his message right, which leads me to the next point. That was his message. This is our mission. Matthew 28, 18 through 19 says, And Jesus came and said to them, Who's Jesus? Well, Jesus is the word that became flesh. So Jonah had the word of God come to him twice. How many times have you heard this verse? Will your judgment before God in hearing the word and being obedient to the word be the same as Jonah's obedience or not? Well, that's a pretty hot, you're being kind of rough today, pastor. Yes, I am. Do you know why? Because I don't know if you have 40 years, 40 days, or 40 minutes. And I am jealous for your soul. And so I want two things. One, I want to make sure that I am clear with the message of the gospel so that you can hear it and you can be saved. And two, I want to make sure that you are clear with the message of the gospel so that when you go home, you can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Because he does not care how big your house is. He does not care what kind of car you drive, what kind of clothes you wear. He does not care how fit you are. He does not care how healthy your garden is or how hard you work at your job. What he cares about, were you faithful with the one mission that I gave you to do? That's it. It's not complicated. So our mission in 18 through 19 says, he came, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, he says. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Did you know, Christian, that pastors don't have the corner on the market when it comes to baptizing people? Like, if y'all are saved, you can baptize somebody. It, it will take, okay? It's not, like, it's not like there's some kind of secret sauce or some kind of special incantation or some kind of class I had to take to do it. Don't drown them. Okay, but the, but, the, but the bottom line is you can baptize people and it's going to stick because baptism isn't what saves. It's their faith in Christ Jesus. Did you know that you can disciple people 
And you might be here this morning and say, I was just saved two weeks ago. What in the world can I disciple them? You can disciple them two weeks worth of Holy Spirit given knowledge, can't you? Jesus came and said he has all authority, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Jonah, the word of the Lord came to him a second time, brother or sister, I don't know how many times this is for you, but it might be more than twice. And so have you ever missed an opportunity? Because I have. Let me go farther. Have you ever missed an opportunity purposefully? Because I have. Let's repent from that. Let's ask for forgiveness for that because the word says that if we are confessing our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all of our trespasses and purposefully missing opportunities because we don't like the person or because we don't like the way the person looks or because we're too busy. If somebody else, we have somewhere else to go or because they don't want to listen. I heard you. You know, I bet you not everybody in Jonah, in Jonah, in Nineveh wanted to hear Jonah, right? I know he had other things he wanted to do. There was a plant he'd like to sit under. We're going to hear about that. But this is our mission. And so take heart that our God is patient and long-suffering. Because my guess is the word of this scripture has come to you more than twice. And praise the Lord that you're not in the belly of a fish. Because he is merciful and long-suffering to you. Again, think about the mission that Jonah had. He was just in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. And he had called out to God. And the God who is righteous and holy and just. And who he, he, Jonah was in active disobedience to this God. He had been given this word. And he was literally, we saw, you remember the map, y'all? He was going the absolute opposite. There was no other place he could have gone farther. He would have found America. Jonah went as far as he possibly could, active disobedience. And our God is so merciful that he forgave Jonah and gave him a second opportunity. Brother, sister in Christ, I weep with you for our missed opportunities and I'm in the same boat with you. But our God is loving and merciful and he'll give you another opportunity should you ask for one. Maybe you're here this morning and you've heard this message of the gospel more than one time. And maybe this is your second opportunity to receive by faith this gospel of Christ Jesus. Do not miss your second chance. And so just like Jonah, if we're on track, we've got his message, our mission. So that leaves us with one, if you were a good student paying attention. Your method, right? Here's, here's your method. So here's, here's exactly the right way to witness to everybody every single time. You ready? Pastor's going to teach you. I don't know that. Is, that. is that what you really thought was about to happen? No. I don't know that. You want to know why? Because each of us is different. We are all members of the same body. We all have the same spirit, but different gifts and different blends of those gifts. This is what you call a beautiful tapestry of the church as he is making living stones and then forming them into his, his temple. We are all priests of the most holy order. And quite frankly, if I were to give you the five-step approach, what you need to know is the gospel. But even your delivery of the gospel can be rough. Your, your delivery of the gospel can be as simple as, hey, you're a sinner and you're in danger of hell. You need Jesus Christ. He died for you. That's, that's quite similar to Jonah. 
So what's your method? Matthew 28, 19 through 20 tells us this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Even Jesus doesn't give you a specific method. He just says, go while you are going. There's, there's resources out there. There's one that I really love, and there's a method that I really love, so I will share that with you. It's called Way of the Master. You can write that down if you want to. You've heard of Kirk Cameron, I'm sure. He's one of the main guys who, who, who does that, Kirk Cameron and um, Ray Comfort. Uh, it's a YouTube channel. They, they witness to people. Ray Comfort goes out and he witnesses to people and he takes them through the gospel. You can watch that. There's hours, hours of footage and you can learn what he says and why he says that and the order that he says it in. I can tell you his message is no different than what you've heard this morning. Sinners saved by grace through Christ Jesus. I mean, that's, that's the gospel. 1 Corinthians 12.4. Now there are various gifts, but the same spirit. 1 Peter 4.10. As each of you have received a gift, use it to serve one another. So the way of the master in Matthew 28, 19 through 20 is wherever you are, make disciples. Whenever you're there, make disciples. Whoever you're talking to, make disciples. However you're going about it, make disciples. You don't have to have a degree from some seminary. You don't even have to have a Bible with you especially if you're memorizing God's word. You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to be pretty. None of that. I've got a video for you that I'd like you to watch, and then we're going to end.
So the book of Jonah is not about a fish, not even a little bit. The book of Jonah is about Jesus. As Jonah was assigned to Nineveh, so Christ is assigned to us. He has given his life for us. He has asked us to give our lives to him. So I think Dr. Seuss said it well. I'm going to steal his words. Say, I love the gospel, man. I do. I love it. I'll say again. I would share it in a boat, and I would share it with a goat, and I will share it in the rain and in the dark and on a train and in a car and in a tree. He is so good, so good, you see. So I will share it in a box, and I will share it with a fox. I will share it in a house, and I will share it with a mouse, and I will share it here and, and there. Say, I will share it anywhere. I do so love the gospel, man. Thank you. Thank you, great I am. So who and where is your Nineveh? Let's go be Jonah. God, our Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this word. We thank you for the challenge. We thank you for your promise to always be with us. God, we bring our hearts before you. We ask that you would help us forgive us for the times that we have neglected our one true duty to you, that we would be sons and daughters serving in your kingdom for those that are around us, God. Help us. Give us eyes to see, mouths to speak, boldness as we go before, that we would lean on you. And to you be the glory, we pray, as we would be more and more obedient. And also, God, for all these who are listening to this, who are choosing you for the first time, God, I pray that the fire that they receive today from you is coming from death to life as you adopt them into your kingdom, that the joy that they feel with that would spur them ever onward to be faithful servants to you. We thank you that the book of Jonah is not about a fish, it's about salvation, it's about the miracle of bringing dead bones back to life. God, we thank you that that criminal, that criminal who was hardened, who was guilty of multiple crimes against you, who was often engaged in godless behavior and taking pleasure in doing so, and one who showed no signs of changing, that that criminal was us, and you sent us a pardon and that through that pardon, we became new. Help us to bring that same pardon, that same message of Christ-bought victory to those around us. It's in your name we pray, amen.